Hello and welcome to all our listeners in radio and podcast land. My name is Dan Dick, one of your faithful Church Matters hosts. And a big hello to my ever-present and wise co-host, Janet Plennert. Good morning, Dan. It's great to be back in the studio, and we have the privilege of doing a two-part series now. Tell us about our guest. Sure. Our guest is Adrian Jacobs. Adrian is a member of the Six Nations Iroquois Confederacy from the Six Nations Reserve in southern Ontario. All right. Before we get started, I'd like to remind us of the passage we read last month in Acts 17. God who made the world and everything in it. He who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allocated the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God, perhaps grope for him and find him though he indeed is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of our own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Welcome to the studio, Adrian. It's great to have you here. Adrian hails from the Cayuga First Nation and is a member of the Six Nations Iroquois Confederacy from the Six Nations Reserve in southern Ontario. Adrian's a pastor, community liaison worker, He helps to train other pastors and lay leaders for ministry, and he has studied architecture and theology. Welcome here. Good morning. Can you explain a little bit more the way you use the word treaty and covenant and the difference and the distinction between those two? Actually, the word treaty comes from covenant. Uh, Treaty is between nations, and uh, covenant is the same idea. Uh, It's the terminology of the Old Testament and there were covenants made between nations, between groups of people. And throughout the world, there are blood covenants. Uh, some are uh, blood brother kinds of covenants. There are clan covenants. But then there are national types of covenants as well. So it's a concept that's throughout the world of covenant. And I really think it comes from God's original communications with human beings, talking about the sacredness of a relationship that is sealed by blood, which is the ultimate expression of God's covenant with humans through Christ, that he shed his blood in order to seal this covenant. And to shed blood simply means to make a full commitment to it. It's, it's a sacred oath. It's a sacred commitment. So when First Nations people uh, made treaties with the, the British at first and other nations, uh, they made a, a national covenant commitment of their own dignity And so that's the thing that has been violated. That's the thing that needs to be restored and reckoned with. So I hear you saying that subsequent generations are also accountable to the covenants of their ancestors. Yes. uh, The North American Free Trade Agreement is something that we live with, even though it was uh, passed by previous administrations. So we have to live with the consequences of those things. And as real as that law is, so are these treaty relationships that are enshrined in the Canadian Constitution. So you have to live with those consequences. And so uh, in that, even in that simple reality, that's what we have to live with. And I think that in God's reckoning that he holds us even more accountable than simply uh, human laws uh, because covenants are made under God. And so he's a witness to that er, er, agreement and therefore we're accountable to him as well. 
I've heard it said, Adrian, that we are all treaty people. Can you take that statement apart, in particular in the context of the church? Well, Justice Linden said this at the Ipperwash, the release of the Ipperwash report, which was a report that came from the only Native person who was killed in Canada in a land claim dispute in all of the 20th century, 1995, Dudley George. And when he released the report, he, he said, one of the things that everybody must realize is that everybody in Canada, Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal, are treaty people. Because the treaties were made between First Nations people and the Crown. And so if, if Canada is a party to this agreement, then they're a treaty person. So whenever there's treaty violation, it means that the violation is right in the room between First Nations people and Canadians. So if there's a treaty violation, it's something that is right here and now. And what we fail to do, especially from the Canadian understanding, is that we look at that as something that belongs to Native people, and it's their problem, and we're sorry that it happened, but that's with you. The reality is that the violation is between peoples. And so there is a responsibility that we have as covenant partners. People that are uh, naturalized as citizens to, uh, into Canada should be educated in their treaty responsibilities that they enter into treaty relationship with First Nations people. So that's, that's my understanding. And does, it, does the church have a special role to play in this from your perspective? Uh, uh, the church, I believe, has the best understanding of covenant and the reality of what that means and should be a positive force to say we are people of our word and that we are not uh, people that break treaty, we're not people that lie, we're not people that deceive, but we are people of our word. And so I think that the church should be a part of the call for justice and for recognizing that what we have established is something that God holds us accountable for. If God is the, the, the one that watches over us as a nation, then surely he'll call us into account, as he did with other nations in the Old Testament. So how can the church most effectively help in Canadian society for all of us to uphold our treaties, our covenants together? The biggest uh, failure in the broad sense has been the lack of education. People do not know the story of the land. They do not know the story of the people of the land and the people that were considered the original inhabitants. Uh, some circles call them the host nations. And uh, most people don't know that history. And I find that in my work of educating others that uh, their first response is, we didn't know that, and they instantly become empathetic to the Native cause. And so if there is a, a broad educational movement, then there will be a, an elevation of conscience that people will say, well, we must do something about this. And then uh, through that broad movement of conscience, you can actually garner enough support to make social changes, social justice changes. It sounds like the church in Canada today has a great potential to understand the, what has happened with our Aboriginal brothers and sisters here in Canada. And as you say, the deep rootedness in covenant and scripture of the Aboriginal people, I think, is a lesson for the church today, the mainstream white church, as it were. Uh, one of my understandings of eschatology, too, is this 
imagery from the book of Revelation of Babylon being an oppressive world force, trying to force everybody into a idolatrous system, monetary system that is antagonistic to individual freedom and, and worship of God, the freedom that comes from that. And so the church itself should understand that perspective for First Nations, that they're dealing with a very oppressive uh, system that tries to force them into a certain mold and that uh, violates treaty relationship to do that. And so my understanding of, of freedom is something that the church understands and knows that it uh, that Jesus was all about affirming dignity. And that's what he did with people that came in contact with him. He affirmed their dignity as people. And I think that the church uh, should understand that call from the Native community to affirm dignity again in treaty relationships. So as the kingdom comes here on earth and as the world becomes the way it should be in the, pi- the pictures we have from Revelation of the last days, what will Aboriginal, non-Aboriginal relationships look like? One of the things that I've observed from the land claim issue is that the cost to correct things are astronomical, billions and hundreds of billions of dollars. Land that is uh, such a, a long-standing conflict that, that the obligation to correct it is going to be very hard to uh, pay. So my understanding is that God really is calling us to relationship and a humble kind of relationship where we live in forgiveness towards one another and look to uh, reaffirm the dignity that was lost in, in the injustice and the violation. So to me, the image, even from the book of Revelation, of God's ultimate intention is that into the city of God flows all the nations and the glory of those nations. And so I see the glory of First Nations people being this treaty covenant uh, keeping uh, aspect that we are the ones that have pledged our national dignity and we are the ones that have kept the national dignity and that continue to call for the other side that has violated that national dignity back to the treaty table. So that's part of the glory that enters into the city of God along together with our expression of nativeness, which is uh, seen in the pageantry of dance and seen in the artistry of our, uh, of our regalia and uh, various uh, expressions of artistic uh, value. And those are the kinds of things that we as First Nations people will bring into the city of God. And it's all celebrated and welcomed and that we are brothers. Treaty is all about being brothers. And so that's, I think, the, what the future would look like. Adrian, if you could imagine that you have thousands of church folk listening to this program right now, what would you say to them? The words of Pastor Roy Hawkins come to mind. He was the pastor of the Caledonia Baptist Church that was right next to the reclamation site where the great conflict happened in 2006 between Six Nations and the town of Caledonia. It expanded to bringing Canada to the negotiation table with Six Nations. Roy Hawkins pastored during the most volatile time of this conflict. Members of his congregation had to pass through a police barricade and then through a native barricade in order to go to church. 
And Roy is a Canadian man and very passionate about relationship. And at one point he said, I would rather lose the land than to lose my relationship with Six Nations. And he said this. He said that it was the church that led the way through a Christian politician in the 1800s that outlawed slavery in England. He said it was the church through the leadership of Martin Luther King who dealt with segregation and other civil rights violations in the U.S. South that uh, dealt with these inequities. It was the church that led the way, in part, through Bishop Desmond Tutu in uh, the international reaction to apartheid that tore those walls down. And he asked the question, will the church be involved in a broad social movement of conscience concerning treaty violations of land issues in Canada? And he asked the question, is this Canada's Kairos moment to deal with this historic injustice? And so when he asked that question, That's been fueling my own inspiration to uh, work with people, educating them, and call the church to this moment of action, because it will only be the response of Canadians in general to the issue that will move the politicians to say something must be done. So that's my hope, is that something would be uh, done in that area, that the church would be that voice of conscience saying we have to keep our word. We can't continue with this national violation and that this national indignity. Martin Luther King said that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And it may seem like this is an isolated thing uh, concerning First Nations people, but if there is a violation of dignity to First Nations people, it can only sow the seeds for national indignity for Canada. Adrian, it's an inspiration and a pleasure to have you here with us on Church Matters today. We wish you God's blessing in your work of bringing people closer together wherever you go. Now. Thanks to all of our listeners in radio and podcast land. We'd love to hear what you think about this program. If you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, please write a review about this or any other episode. You can find some of Adrian's writings at our very own resource centre at MennoniteChurch.ca or by calling 1-866-888-6785. We welcome your comments, which you can phone in or email to churchmatters at mennonitechurch.ca. My name is Janet Plennert. And my name is Dan Dick, and you've been listening to Church Matters, where our prayer is that you will be called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Every episode gets produced and the podcast uploaded in time for the third Sunday of the month, Tune in wherever you are, and thanks for listening. As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you. The face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the way.